just want to punch you in the throat right now because that's all I know to do, right? I'm looking at you and you tick me off. I don't even know what to do. I know God will forgive me for it, so I'm about to punch in the throat and I'll ask for forgiveness later, right? It feels like that. And this morning we're going to dive in and I'm going to lean in on the women and I'm going to lean in on men. Um, If there's any topic, any conversation that I get to have with you guys, this is probably one that's most dear to my heart. Um, because I know how screwed up I used to be in the man I used to be and through God's grace who he's turned me into. And I know the mission that he's called me to um, embark on, not just to start churches, but to help men, like, step up and be men, right, and help marriages heal. And um, this isn't too, and if you're like, well, I'm not even married, I can clock out. Don't clock out, right? If you're going to get married, listen to this. And some of you guys are like, maybe I'm going to decide if I'm going to get married by listening to this sermon, right? Then listen. If you're like, I'm never going to get married because of that is the reason. If you have daughters, if you have sons, listen up. Especially if you have daughters. Especially if you have daughters. Because then you'll be able to figure out the men they should be with. And if they're with a loser and a coward, you need to have that conversation, right? I have three daughters, And I fear for the man, right? (laughs) Because I'm not going to walk my daughter down the aisle to a guy that I know won't love her and protect her. And if she fights me on it, I'm just going to beat him up at his bachelor party, right? Hey, can I come to the bachelor? I want to just have a bachelor party, me and you. We'll go out on the boat, right, way out. (laughs) I don't know what happened, honey. It slipped. I don't know. But I think everybody can take something from today. And to me, I think something should happen. Um, Do you ever go to a restaurant, right, and you come up and there's two waiters or two waitresses, and you're like, that's kind of awkward. Don't know who really to talk to. Um, Are you that bad of a waitress that you can't remember what I'm saying? You have a pen, write it down, right? So you ask them, like, what's what's the other person for? Oh, they're shadowing. Have you ever been to a restaurant with somebody shadowing? Right? And the point of the shadow is, listen, if something goes wrong with the customer, they go in the back and say, hey, did you see how I handled that with the customer? Did you see how they said something? They reacted and how I handled it and made it better. And you can either make it better or make it worse. Right? I think that should happen in marriages. Right? I think that should, you should, we should shadow people. Right? You might not learn what to do, but you'll learn a lot of what to not to do. Right? Like, mm, that guy, he's, he's stupid. Let me... Let me write down, he's making a lot of mistakes. As long as I don't do these, I should be okay, right, at least for the first year until I start making my own mistakes. I think we should start shadowing. Um, So I was like, why don't the Bible talk about this? And it actually does talk about that in Titus chapter 2. It says that younger women, older women should be pouring into younger women who are going to be wives so they know how to respect their husbands, so they know how to submit to their husbands. That needs to happen. But here's the thing. That can't happen until the older women are in a place in their marriage where they can pour into. Because if you have broken marriages, pouring into broken marriages, into potential marriages, what's going to happen? It's going to be really screwed up, right? But that always comes back to the man. And I'm sorry, guys. We were created first. The weight of everything is on your shoulders. If you don't like that, too bad. Now you got to take it up with God. I'm just... I'm just a messenger, right? I'm just trying to tell you what he's trying to tell me. But we can't start pouring into, right? The older women can't pour into the younger women until the older women are married to men that love them and have a godly marriage to be able to pour into them. So there's this whole equation that we need to work on. And I have a lot to cover today. And that 
ate up about four and a half minutes of my time, so I'm going to fly. So are you guys ready to dig in? Yes. Let me start with saying this. Marriage isn't about you. And we've said this in this, in this series already that this life isn't for us. Everything created isn't for you. I know we think it is, but it isn't. It's designed and created to give glory to God, to lift up his name, to magnify him. So that means everything that we do, all our relationships, everything that we do, the job that we are blessed to have and graced enough by God to have is for him. It isn't for us. So guess what? Marriage isn't for you. It's for God to lift up his glory so people can know what it's like to have a godly marriage. So people can look at the church, right? And I'm not going to get into the divorce rate is the same in the church and out of the church. That's a whole nother conversation, which blows my mind. <laughs> that blows my mind. That marriages, that the divorce rate is exactly the same in the church as it is outside the church. I don't know how we wrap our, I don't, I don't even know how that happens, but I don't have time to even go down that road, right? This isn't for us. This marriage is to lift up him because people can look at it because where else in the world do we think about other people first? Do we say, no, it's, it's not about what I want in this moment. It's what I want to yield to you and I want to submit to you and I want to respect you and love you enough to pour into you. I'm going to think about you first and what you need, right? I'm not going to keep records of wrong here. I'm just going to love you. Where else in the world does this happen except in marriage? And when that happens, then people can start to see the relationship that Christ has with the church through our marriages. If there's anything in this world that should be looked at as a model of how Christ loves the church, it should be our marriages. But we have to get our marriages up to par or people are going to have a really bad view of what, who in Christ is. Nowhere else in the world, it doesn't happen in your workplace that people think of other people first, does it? Do you? <laughs> it doesn't happen in politics, right? It doesn't happen anywhere. It sure doesn't happen on Black Friday. Have you ever been to Black Friday? Huh? <laughs> Go to Walmart on Black Friday and try to get that tom-tom before somebody else. You're going to get elbowed in your temple, right? They will trample you. Because they don't care. They're like, oh, don't, mm, that's my tom-tom. I've been waiting in line for four and a half hours. I'm going to step on your neck to be able to get that tom-tom, right? Nowhere in the world does anybody else think of other people first except in marriage. That's why that covenant is one of the greatest covenants and the greatest opportunity to show people how much Christ loves them. All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 19 And I think, there's not too much I think Paul gets wrong, but I think he got the order of these scriptures wrong, right? So um, it's 12 through 19, but we're going to start on 18 and go to 19 and then jump back to 12 and go through 17. I think those should have come after 18 and 19. So when I get to heaven, I'll let them know that. All right. Here we go, 18. It's really simple. Women. Wives, submit to your husbands as Christ, as is fitting in the Lord, 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Two really short verses with huge implications. Huge implications. I could do a four-part series on verse 18. I could do a four-part sermon series on verse 19. We don't have that kind of time because we've got a lot of other stuff we've got to talk about, right? We've got another sermon series that's going to be um, another eight weeks that we just don't, if we had the time, believe me, I would slow us down. 
Because this right here is huge. It is huge. When we look at the epidemic we call marriages in this country, these two verses, if we don't get these, we get nothing. It starts here. 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord's. And I know that word, especially in America, submit you're like, mm-mm, like we have this idea that we're, like we're going to put you in the basement, right, in shackles, right? We're going to come down. We'll come down three times a day and feed you just to, right, make sure you're clothed. I mean, we'll throw some soap and a, a brush under the door so you can, like, kind of freshen up and look good. And every once in a while, we'll even come down, unlock them, and let you use the restroom in a restroom, right? Like, hey, here you go. This is your, this is your five minutes away. I mean, you're, you're locked down for the next, that's not what submit is. This is submit. You're standing in his way. You just, you just need to yield, You just need to get over, right? In the New Testament, every time the writer is talking to wives and husbands, guess who's mentioned first? Guess. Well, if it's mentioned there first, it's probably mentioned everywhere first. And here's the reason. I know you're probably thinking, yes, because we're not that screwed up, right? So hurry up and get us out of the way and deal with the men, right? Like, hmm, I only got like one or two things I'm dealing with. He's the one with all all the depth of problems, maybe, That could be true. But here's the thing. We got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 to answer that question. So let's journey on back. Genesis 3. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. This is curse number one. This is your curse. Right? So this is happening. This is post, hey, Adam, take a bite of this fruit. It's really good, right? Which was post, hey, Eve, it's not that big of a deal. God says you can't eat of the fruit. Really? I don't know why. Is he afraid that you might have as much knowledge as him? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be that good. And for a side note, I don't think it was an apple because I don't think apples are really that good, right? <laughs> There's so many types of apples. You never know what seasons it's going to be in, if it's going to be good or not. It's like always, I always get the mushy ones, right? So I think maybe there wasn't much rain, obviously, then. So maybe the apples weren't like a good fruit. I think it was like a pomegranate. Um, that's just me. <laughs> I've never eaten a pomegranate straight up. I've generally had it in juice. But that's beside the point. All right. So this is post. We screwed up, separated ourselves from God. We ran. We hid. He found us. He cursed the serpent, right, hey, you don't have, you're going to crawl along your belly and you're going to be, <laughs> that's your curse, right? You're going to be low and we're going to step on you. That's your curse, right? So if you're thinking, yeah, this is Old Testament. This is a supply. Does, do snakes have legs? No. So this still applies, all right? 16, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. That's your first curse, right? Some preachers, not me, some preachers think the epidural is you side swiping, Right? Your first curse. I would never say that. I don't agree with that. I have, a, I have a wife that has four kids. I'm not that stupid to say that. But I'm just telling you, it's out there. You can go research it. Um, I'm on your side. That's all I'm saying. I'm on your team. All right. Here's the second one. Your desire, this is why you were mentioned first. Your desire will be for your husband's. And he will rule over you. Your desire will be to lead. Your desire will be to run over and run ahead. And your desire will not be to trust. Your desire will to be not trusting your husband. Your desire will be for his spot. But he is going to rule over you. I know, you, I know none of you guys struggle with that. 
I know that, right? But here's the thing. He's going to rule over you because who was created first? Adam was created first. And God looked at him in his toil and said, listen, this is not good for man to be alone. I need to create a helper that is suitable for him. He was created first, so woman was created for man. That means man is ruling over, right? But it's not the whole shackle idea, right? The partnership is the same. The inheritance is the same. The glory is the same. This is a partnership, men. This is a partnership, not a dictatorship. Let's go back to Colossians. Wives, submit to your husbands. You have to yield. I know that a lot of men are not trustworthy. I know we do a lot of stupid things. I know the history of men has either fallen. I'm going to get into this, guys. I don't want to get into too much. Like men are either, we're either pacifists or we're dictators. Both of them are cowards. Both of them are out of fear. But that's where we end up. Because a lot of men didn't have fathers to pour into them, to hug them, to tell them they love them, to tell them I'm proud of you. They had no model of what it was to be a man. That's why we have generations of screwed up. That's why it is so critical that we get this right within the church so we can shift the generational curses of what's happening in this world. And we need to start right here in Atrium. We have to understand where all this is coming from. Let's go to 1 Peter 3. I know I'm jumping around a lot. This It'll slow down after this. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Go back. Yeah, there you go. Wives, once again, if you looked in the scriptures, it's wives first. Um, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. That's huge. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, verse 3, your beauty I don't have time to get into this either, but we're going to talk about it real quick. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. We as a society, men have, <laughs> they lowered the bar so much, Right? That we have put so much pressure on you as women to be something, to be something you're not. The expectation, and I was immensely guilty of this in my marriage, that you're not this. I need you to come up to here. I need you to look like this. I need you to act like this. I need you to be here for me here. We have put such a pressure on you women that you feel like you have to be something that you're not. And I want to apologize for that. It doesn't matter what you look like. We should love you, right, for who you are. It doesn't care if you have high heels on or not. It doesn't care if you wear the best clothes, if your hair is perfect today or not, if you're in the best shape of your life or not. We should love you. And when we don't, I apologize. This comes from us. We have caused this issue. For this is the holy way of the holy women of the past who put their hope in God to adorn themselves. You're supposed to adorn yourselves with an inner beauty of quietness and gentleness. They submitted themselves. Here's the thing. They submitted themselves to their husbands, to their own husbands. Let me show you, that's a big word, to their own husbands, right? Stop looking on the other side of the fence for what you think a man is that your husband isn't, for their own husbands. Like Sarah, 
who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You guys are very fearful, and I know that you want to hold back, and you're not really trusting of us. And we haven't been very trustworthy of past, and I'm sorry, there are a handful of men in this world that are very trustworthy, that are very loving, that deeply care about your emotions and your future and making you holy and glorious before God. But some of us don't get it, and we're clueless, and we're still acting like we're young men. Go back to six. So Sarah, could you imagine the conversation, right? Talk about trusting. (laughs) Talk about letting go of your fear. Can you imagine the conversation that Adam had to have with Sarah, right? Because they had the child, right? You know, Abraham was the one who God said, I want you to sacrifice your firstborn. So he took his child and he built an altar for him to sacrifice. Could you imagine that conversation as a husband? I can't get out of the house if it's snowing and my kids don't have their gloves and mittens on, right? Like, it's, you know, they're going to catch a cold. They don't have all their gloves. I mean, they don't have five layers. They can't get out of the house. I don't know how he got out of the house saying, hey, Sarah, just want you to know, um, I'm going to take her child. I'm going to sacrifice him. Hmm, what? What I thought you just said was you're going to take her child up onto a hill, build an altar of fire, and sacrifice her child. Hmm, yeah, that's what I said. Really? You're crazy. Who told you this? God told you to do this. Okay. And I'm not asking, I mean, that's crazy. That's not going to happen today because there's no need to sacrifice children because Christ was the final sacrifice. So if your husband says that, punch him in the throat, right? Be like, you're stupid. He didn't tell you that. Jesus is the last sacrifice. But can you imagine that conversation? Can you talk about faith? Can you talk about submitting? Like, okay, I trust you so much that you know what you're doing with our own children. Can you, t- can you imagine the kind of marriage they had, the fact that they were on the same page? Sometimes Michelle can't even be on the same page with, like, our schedule. They're like, no, you didn't tell me you were doing something Friday. Yeah, I definitely told you something Friday. Three weeks ago, I emailed you twice, texted you, and left you three voicemails. Mm, I didn't get those. Really? You didn't get ten notifications from me? No, you're lying, probably. You know, um, we can't be on the same page sometimes with our schedules. They were so in tuned. He loved and made himself, right? You don't just do that. You just say, hey, we're going to sacrifice a child. Cool, go ahead. That if you haven't earned the trust, men, you don't get to have respect if you haven't earned respect. It doesn't just come. You don't get respect out of position. You get respect out of your position, not because of what God puts you in, about how you serve your wife, that position, lowering yourself and not making yourself greater than she is Can you imagine the relationship they had? So women, he's mentioning you first in this, in verse 18, because what he's saying is, I need you to get out of the way. And I have to remind you because it's your curse and you're going to always want to lead. You're going to always want to move ahead. You're going to always want to hold back trustworthiness. You want to hold back your faith in your husband. You want his position, but you can't have it. And that's the battle that will happen throughout your marriage. And every day, like Romans 12 says, you have to renew your mind, right? Renew your mind. And you have to get into the crypt. You have to remind yourself, all right, I know who I am and I know what I want. But in this area, I have to submit. I have to yield. Verse 19, men. I'm sorry, can we go back to Colossians? I'm jumping all over on you. Courtney, and I apologize. Colossians 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. This goes back to Genesis, right? Also our curse. And what is our curse? That we will toil. Like we're going to toil and the ground is going to fight against us. 
What he's saying to you, listen, you're going to toil, you're going to try to plant things in your marriage, and it's going to be, she's going to battle against you. He's letting you know that she's going to battle against you. That's going to be. You're going to work, and your work is going to battle against you. It's going to be a hard time at work. But listen, it is not the woman's curse to carry the load. And I know in America that does, I know with America, with working wise, I'm not saying if you work that is out of place. I'm just trying to tell you what the scriptures are telling us. It is not the woman's and the wife's role to carry the financial burden of her family. I find that nowhere in scripture. I find that nowhere in scripture. It is the men's responsibility. So, men, I think we need to step up as men. And do everything we can to be working and to have a job and to support our wife and to carry the load. Does it stop there? Can you say, listen, I've worked 40 years of our marriage or 20 years of our marriage. That should be good enough. That's not in and of itself enough. You can't say, I've worked enough, but I know I haven't been there for our children. I know I haven't been there for our marriage. That's like one doesn't balance out the other. There's this whole thing of things, but I'm telling you, your curse is that you work. If you don't have a job, work your butt off to get a job. We need to step up and become men in this area. We can't rely on other people to bear our curse. It's not your wife's job to bear your curse. Because if it is, she can switch with you. You want to have kids? Didn't think so. That's where you would shake your head? No. Like, mm, I can take it. No, you can't. I've been there, four t- well, three times. We had twins. So I haven't been there four times. Once again, we're on two extremes. We tend to be pacifists. We tend to be dictators. We have to find this balance, man. We have to find this balance. Because when you hear the phrase, "Mm, you know who wears the pants in that family, you've heard the phrase. It might have been even said about you, women. You know what that means? It's that your husband is not fulfilling his roles as a husband And he's sitting by the sideline letting you carry everything, and that is cowardly. That's cowardly. I know that's harsh to say, but it's true. Then there's this other side that we tend to be dictators, right? It says don't be harsh with them. Don't rule over them. Don't dictate them. Because the scriptures tell us, like, listen, women are the weaker vessel. And I know you might not like that word, but what he's saying is, listen, her emotions aren't like yours. She doesn't process things the same way you do. So if you come and you're harsh and your tone is different, you're going to just beat her down and she's going to close up. And she's never going to be the wife or the woman that you want. You're going to be frustrated and you're not going to get it. But it has everything to do with you and your tone, right? Like, I never hit her. But did you give her that look or the, right? I'm going to raise my hand. I need to walk away before I hit you. That's still intimidation, You shouldn't even get there. You shouldn't have to do the, I want to choke you right now feeling, right? Because she probably wants to choke you too. I mean, we're there. We have those moments in our marriage that it's hard. And I'm not saying it's not. You're going to have those moments where you're like, I don't see any way out. I don't see any resolution except to get out of this marriage. I'm telling you just to hold on. The issue might resolve and it might just lie in you. We're quick to point Both are out of fear. Both men need to submit. Both men need to come before God and ask for repentance. The one who does nothing, right? The one who is 35, 
before you got married, right, playing video games, and you picked them up, women, right there, and be like, oh, I think that's a good catch. Really? He's living at home with his mom. How do you think that's a good catch, right? Then you're, then you're upset, be like, well, you need to step up and be a man. He wasn't a man when you married him. Why do you think he's going to instantly be a man, right? We need to figure out, men, if you're acting, if you're 35 living at home, get out, grow up, be a man. Put Call of Duty down, put the headphones down, cut the internet, get a job. Do something that's worth, <laughs> do something that adds value to your community, Flipping Call of Duty. You think that you're going to go to heaven? Moses is going to be impressed by that? Huh? The dude led two million people through a big lake in that ocean and the water spread. You think you're going to say, hey, did you see how many levels, how good I was in Call of Duty? He's like, I don't care. I know you didn't fulfill your duties as a man. I know that. All right. <laughs> Let me step down. Let me step down. All right. I love you guys dearly. Women, I love you dearly. Men, I love you dearly. I'm just asking that you step up and actually be a man. Step up and be a man. Forget the excuses. Maybe your father wasn't there to hug you and kiss you and tell you he's proud of you. I get it. I'm sorry. I'll hug you. I love you. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. But you know what? You're a grown man. From right now, right? Dr. Phil, I'm a fan. He says, Future behavior, strictly dictated by what? Past behavior. Change your behavior this moment. Get a job at McDonald's. Get somewhere. Get a job. Be a man and start owning the responsibilities. And that's where it starts. Own the responsibilities God has called you to do. I don't want to stop, but I need to, so let's move on. All right, end of verse 12. <laughs> I already got the, you got five minutes. I'm just really passionate about this. Because I know who I used to be. And if your marriage sucks right now, and be honest about that, I'm telling you it can change. I'm telling you it will change. Have hope. Have hope. It can change. I wasn't the man and the father I needed to be for eight years. Right? Denny, Michelle's husband, or father, um, he shouldn't have let me marry her at that moment. He should have punched me in the throat. You're like, mm, this is my daughter. No, I value her that much. I'm letting you know that our marriages can be great, and they need to be great. They need to be great. We just got to start owning our own responsibility. But how do we do this? Verse 12. Let's move in. Colossians 12. Verse 12. Therefore, and that's why I think, right, all those things. Wives, submit to your husbands. Yield. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Die for her. Give up everything for her. There's nothing that you shouldn't give up for your wife. Nothing. Christ died on the cross. That's everything. He gave up glory. He gave up everything. You should give up everything. If it means that you get looked over, give it up. Give it up. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Because if you don't do these things, you're never going to be able to submit. You're never going to be able to love. Close yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. 13, bear with each other, love each other, bird, carry the burdens of each other. 
fight through the hardest moments with each other. Those moments where you want to battle each other, bear the weight, stick it out. Let's wake up to what God's calling us to do and calling us to be and bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have. Are you angry at your spouse right now? Are you holding bitterness? Give it up. Unless you want to be judged by the same level in which you judge that person. I know you've been hurt. I know you're angry. I know you've been holding on to it for years and you've just been gritting your teeth and you've just been <laughs> just bearing it. But forgive. Because here's forgiveness. Hey, I'm hanging out with this person and hey man, Tom, um, yeah, we've been hanging out for a few. I think, it's, I think it's really cool not that guys have this conversation. We don't say, hey, you want to be friends, but just bear with the... We're like, hey, we're just, I guess we're friends. Are you guys friends? Yeah, I guess. We've been hanging out. I guess that automatically makes us friends. We don't have to write a letter, circle yes or no. We're just friends, right? Hey, I think it'd be cool if we be friends. Yeah, I think it'd be cool too. All right, see you later. Oh, before you leave, um, I, think, I think there's something I should give you. Hey, I have this. Let me find it. Here's a card, right? He's like, isn't it kind of soon that you give me a gift? Just here, just take the gift, right? Here's what it is. I know, I know in the future, not I think and maybe, I know in the future you are going to stab me in the back. I know in the future you're going to let me down. I know that you're going to not be there for me. You're going to hurt my feelings, right? You're going to say things that cut me deep. And when I need you the most, you're not going to be available. And I'm letting you know now I forgive you. Forgiveness isn't reactionary. It's very proactive. It's up front. We don't forgive once it happened because you know what? You're not going to forgive that. You've had things that have happened to you two years ago, and you're still angry, and you're still holding on to bitterness, and you still haven't forgiven that person, and you need to repent. Forgiveness is, listen, I know you're going to screw me over. I know you're not going to be there for me, and I'm telling you right now, for you, I would never do that to you. Yes, you will, right? Fast forward three months. Hey, just wanted to let you know, Joe, that um, I'm sorry for stabbing you in the back. Yeah, I know. That's, do you remember the card I gave you? Right? And that wasn't a one-time use. That was like, it was limited, right? You get unlimited passes, Right? It's like Splash City. You get a membership, you can go whenever you want. Right? You can go and show up for an hour and leave for all I care. Um, still spend $87 on food, but that's a different topic. Right? So here you go. I know, and here's the thing, Tom, I know you're going to do it again, and I forgive you. Forgiveness is not reactionary because if you're waiting to say, okay, I just need to pray about forgiveness, what is there to pray about? Forgive. There's nothing to pray about. You think God's going to say, mm, no, you're right. You're justified in your anger. You are not justified in your anger. Repent. Forgiveness is up front. It's not reactionary. If there's somebody here today, there's somebody that you need to forgive, you need to make that happen today. Because here's the end of 13. Forgive. Right? It's, forgive as the Lord forgave. So if you want to know how much you forgive or when you should forgive, there's your bar. Forgive as the Lord forgave. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. January, February, and March, January, February, and March we did faith, hope, and love. And the Bible tells us the greatest of these is love. Love always trumps everything. That's why the cross trumped your sin. Love trumps everything. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because you won't be able to submit. You won't be able to love. 
and be thankful. Once again, he tells us to be thankful. We talked about this a lot. Be thankful. Be ex- like, this is a great life. People walk around just mad and bitter and upset all the time. What are you upset about? You're alive. You are breathing. There's people, right, that have like stage four cancer and they're happy and they're joyful. And we're walking around because they messed up our latte at Starbucks and we're mad for the rest of the day and it screws us up, right? I get caffeine is a huge part of our diet. I get it. But just be flipping thankful. Good heavens. Right? Good heavens. Me too. I'm not just like, dang, you're being kind of, I know. I'm excited. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. If somebody's giving you wisdom that isn't based on truth, walk away and forget everything they said. Because people give really bad advice. Really bad. As you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And here's what's end with 17. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, do in Jesus Christ's name. When you submit, it's not about you. Hey, look, I submit. I was a good wife. No, do it in the name of Jesus Christ because you won't be able to submit by your own power. It's the grace that God gave you to submit. Husbands, you won't be able to love your wife by your own good deeds. It was the grace that God gave you to be able to love your wife. So just up your horse onto your knees and bow before your creator and give thanks. You have a Christ that loves you enough to die on the cross. We need to take back our marriages. We need to take back our relationships. We need to take back the church. But you have to start by submitting. Men too. We have to submit to our authority. Right? This is wives submit to us. We have to submit to our authority. And know there's a God that loves you deeply. As a church, we are here to love you deeply. And if your marriage is struggling, then let's talk. There's no judgment. We'll say join the boat and let's talk. But don't go smiling through this life like I'm not talking about you. And just keep nodding your head thinking... Man, I'm glad that person was here today to hear this talk. Let's take it back. Let's humble ourselves enough to know that we don't have what it takes. Off to the sides, we take communion every week because we never want to forget what Christ did for us on the cross. And we should never forget. Every time you think about it, it should send chills through your body. It should never become old or redundant. The creator of the world died on the cross. There's nothing greater than that. So during this song, you can take a piece, rip it off, you know, soak it in the juice. Because the bread represents his body that was beaten for us. The juice represents his blood that was poured out for us that covers your sins. And accept that sacrifice. Just like the buckets behind it are your opportunity to give your financial sacrifice back to God 
right? We're going to receive a sacrifice and we're going to give a sacrifice. You can't say you love God and you're not giving away your finances to him. Those two don't mix. Just like you say, can't say, I don't love the church and I don't like the church, but I love God. It, those two can't coexist, right? Salt water and water don't mix. They're going to separate, right? You can't have that. If you're not giving your finances to God, you're missing it there.